that there's no new podcast episode out this week and that is because today we start a new series of the Whitworth's Whistle exclusive interviews and our very first interviewee is with us and she is a two-time NCAA swimmer of the year and a former Olympic silver medalist ladies and gentlemen I'd like to welcome in Christy Kowal. Hello. All right thanks for joining us today uh, Christy and I actually have a little bit of history she was my third grade teacher that is correct. I was your third grade teacher uh, many years ago. So I don't want to say how many. Like, I don't even, <laughs> we won't say how many. That is like beyond my level now. No, no, we won't do the math. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I mean, I looked in, obviously did a little bit of research before starting this, and you have so many accomplishments that I never once even knew about until literally two, I think a day or two ago. Uh, <laughs> Because going into third grade, like all we heard about was, you know, the Olympic silver medalist, her first year teaching, which that's another thing. I was part of your first class. Uh, but there's so many things on here. I mean, you were NCA Women of the Year in 2000. Uh, you were a world champion and you had a world record at one point. I did. Yes. Which is just insane. Uh, and then the other thing I saw was you were the first American woman to break the one minute barrier in the 100 meter breaststroke. In the 100 yard breaststroke, yes. Okay. 100 meter, that would have been really impressive. But yeah, that's that a, was, it's a, it's a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, so many people might not know, uh, you went to school in Georgia, you spent a lot of time in Georgia. Before we get into real serious questions, it's been uh, quite the year for Georgia as far go as sports dogs. go. <laughs> Go you have the national championship! Congratulations, yep. <laughs> and then you have the World Series too in Atlanta. In Atlanta, and then even—I mean—we have connections to the NFL with oh. <laughs> LA. Okay, we claim oh, yeah, because now you're in California. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we claim every Georgia um, football alumni that's in the NFL. There you so. go. There you go. That that works. Uh, I at least got to see the Bucks this summer. I was down in the Deer District for it, which was kind of cool. Uh, but I just wanted to, did, were you at the national championship game? Did you go back to Georgia for that? No, unfortunately not. So with teaching, there's not a ton of, you know, time off. And I do live quite far away from there now. So, but I did watch with bated breath. Um, it was probably the most stressed out I've ever been at a, like watching a sporting event. I think I was more cool and calm uh, at my own Olympic race than I was watching <laughs> this because I had bets going on with my third graders this year. I was like, Georgia wins, no homework well, <laughs> for well, the week. <laughs> Alabama wins, bit, so yeah. much homework. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so getting into the more serious questions here, uh, we listed a bunch of accomplishments at the beginning. Which one would you say you're most proud of? Oh, I can't answer. I have no oh, idea. Um, it's hard. It's really hard because they're so different. So um, I think one of the most things I was proudest of in my in my career was actually in college, um, helping the University of Georgia win the national championship um, for the first time, because that was a team effort. And you knew that everything that you did as an individual contributed to how the team did. And so it was the first, my, my freshman year at Georgia, we had gotten fifth, my sophomore year, we had gotten third. So um, my junior year, my senior year, when we won, that was one of the proudest the proudest moments. Um, of course, the Olympics is always going to be uh, a highlight of my career because I had missed the Olympics 
um, twice by the time I finally qualified. So I tried in 96 when I was 17 and I missed it by uh, 17 hundredths of a second. And then in 2000, my first event, I missed by one one hundredth of a second. So um, that holds a special place in my heart yeah, as well. Cool. And then I remember the video in class. Yeah. Oh gosh. And you yes. were at yourself. <laughs> I was like, no, no, keep your head down. <laughs> yeah. So those are, uh, you know, some of the highlights, but it's hard to pick. But then like going through your accomplishments, it's like every single one, like just by reading it seems like it would be better because like you do have the former world record and the world champion. So it's hard to compare like what level that is compared to like Olympic level and like different. Yeah. And world championships is very similar to the Olympics. You see the same people actually. Um, when I won world championships, I was the first American woman to ever win the hundred breaststroke at world championships. And then when I got this, uh, the second place in the 200, the girl who had beat me in world championships in 1998, we were on the podium. She won the 200 breast at the Olympics. So you do see the same people. And then NCAs is very cool because it's very international. A lot of international swimmers come to the United States to train. And so you do have that same level of competition almost all year round. Which is still impressive. Uh, one <laughs> thing I did notice, uh, seems like you really like swimming in Australia. Oh, I love swimming in Australia because they love swimming. It's yeah. like their number one sport. So you, you go to a swimming and you're in a stand, you're in a pool with the stands have like 18,000 people. Um, and I think you could hear like one person yelling, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And then the entire rest of the arena will just yell, oi, oi, oi. Um, they don't care where you're from, as long as you put forth like your best effort and they will cheer for you. They're just, they're just amazing. I love I mean, Australia. I love the country. I love the people. I, I hope to get back there someday. Yeah, you did put your best too. I mean, that was like your biggest wins were there too, outside of like your yeah. career, your international wins. Uh, so going back to the Olympics or the world championships, whatever you prefer, uh, how long or about how long would you train as you prepared for those kind of events? Oh gosh. So everything was, um, like a year long cycle. And so you had your college season from about like end of August through middle of March. And then you took like a two week break and you went straight into training for the summer, which was the international cycle. Um, and it was different because in with college, you swim short course yards or short course meters. And then for the Olympics and for world championships, the international competition is long course meters. So out of an entire year, I probably only ever had four weeks off total, <laughs> like two weeks in March and two weeks in August. Um, but I think one time I calculated that I, I was swimming like 55 miles a week, um, which I think for every mile you swim is like three miles of running. And I was swimming hours and hours a day, like uh, probably the days I did double practices, probably training for six hours total between dry land and swimming. And, um, I think one time I also calculated that I've swam the distance of the equator. <laughs> I've swam <laughs> the distance of the entire circumference of the world. So it's, it was a lot of training. It was very intense, but it was something I love to do. So it didn't seem as when I talk about it now, I'm like, wow, what was I doing? <laughs> and then, um, now it's kind of, you know, it's, it's mind blowing that I was able to do that, but in the moment you're just, you have a goal that you're working for. So you just put your head down and go back to the grind. And, uh, now we know where all those, uh, long, uh, math word problems come from. They just come from your swimming career. I did not make <laughs> word problems were the bane of my existence as a third grader. <laughs> 
Uh, and then keeping with the, the race training sort of thing, what was your uh, pre-race routine or uh, any special traditions or superstitions going into a big race? I was so superstitious. I had a lot of superstitions between like, um, I had a lucky nail polish color or earrings or eating Arby's before my races. Um, (laughs) I had so many superstitions that I had, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you're like, okay, if I can have this, it's going to go well. Um, but before the races, I always had, you know, athletes always have their routine and it's something that you don't even think of. It's just something that becomes ingrained in you. So I always had a routine when I got to the pool, what I was going to do, um, stretching and at the same warm up every single time, because the thing with, you know, sports is you find something that works, you just keep doing it. You find something that don't, doesn't work. You don't ever do it again. So I would do the same exact warm up, the same exact stretching routine. Everything was the same every single time before my races. Okay. And, uh, do you still talk to anyone that's a part of the Olympic community? Like oh, yeah. coaches <laughs> or even current competitors? Oh my gosh. I, I still talk to my coach. He actually called, um, during school one day, right after Georgia won the national championship. And all I did was answer and say, Hey Jack, you're on speakerphone. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, and I, I had the kids do the go dogs cheer for him. <laughs> and I was like, okay, talk to you later. I hung up and they were all excited. Um, I still talk to a lot of my teammates. A lot of my former teammates from Georgia are still my best friends. Actually one of my teammates, um, from Georgia, she swam in the 04, 08 and, um, 2012 Olympics, she was randomly, um, we found out that we were living within three blocks of each other in Long Beach. So (laughs) I talked to her every single day. So yeah, we do. We still keep in touch. Okay. And then obviously you've seen both the summer Olympics and the most recent winter Olympics that just ended and COVID and pandemic and everything, all their rule changes and COVID policies. Had you had a pandemic like that happen during your career, would you have still chosen to go to the Olympics? Absolutely. I think, you know, at the end of the day, is it a bummer that your family can't be there? Absolutely. Um, But it's what you're training for. And at the end of the day, you're still standing behind the blocks. You're still getting up on the blocks and racing um, pandemic or no pandemic. And I think, you know, having the Olympics and still being able to train, you know, after a brief pause, but it also gave you something to focus on, you know, something that you could control a bit. You never could control when the pools would shut down or if you couldn't get into training again, but it gave you something to think of, um, other than what was happening in the world. And I think that was probably something that really kept a lot of those athletes, you know, on the right path and to be able to go and train and and know that it was happening. It gave you your goal again. It gave you your focus again. So as soon as they knew that the Olympics were on, I absolutely would have been one of those people still training. I probably would have been the person that was swimming in a frozen pool (laughs) uh, with a tether around my waist, just trying to still get, you know, or jumping in with a wetsuit into a lake. I would have totally been that person, but I think I would have absolutely done it. And I'm, I was very impressed 
with how it ended up and how it turned out and just how the spirit of the Olympic movement was still captured despite the changes that had to happen. And, you know, the Olympics is about so much more than being on a podium and getting the gold and the silver and the bronze. It's about, you know, the nations all coming together for a single purpose. And it's about sportsmanship. And um, I really saw that in both the summer and the winter Olympics. Okay. And with you being quite the accomplished swimmer, we know about the college career uh, in high school. Did you see yourself coming this far and accomplishing all those things? I, um, I think high school was kind of a turning point for me for my sporting career. I, I, gradually um, started getting better. When I was little, I was not a very good swimmer. I was like, I think on the C team when I was 11 and 12, which is basically like, you could be cut if we actually cut people, (laughs) you're not great. Um, It was like the needs improvement group. And so, um, you know, high school was when everything kind of started turning around. And I was a junior when I made, I qualified for my first USA national um, competition. And that was the first time that I thought, Hey, this is a, this is a possibility. This is a reality. And so, you know, coming so close to making the Olympics as a high school senior, um, I definitely thought it was in my grasp. Do I think that, you know, not making the team gave me a lot of motivation to train for former years? Absolutely. It, you know, it was like a fire in my soul <laughs> that got me out of bed at five o'clock in the morning on those mornings. I had to jump into the freezing cold pool. Um, but I definitely thought, yes, I, I was so close to becoming an Olympian in high school. So it, it really did give me that motivation to keep going. Okay. And are you still swimming competitively? No, 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 we don't swim competitive. No, I do still swim. Um, I do still swim. I don't swim fast. I don't like to, I don't, I don't know how I ever did what I did. <laughs> I could maybe swim fast for about 15 seconds straight. That's all, that's all that's left in the tank. Um, but I think, you know, I've, there's a lot of my friends that do master swimming and they still compete and that's more for fun. Um, but there's no part of me that wants to stand on a block and dive in and see how fast I can go. Cause it's not going to be anywhere where I was and it's going to make me mad. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I swim for fun. Now I do a lot more swimming in the, um, the ocean than I do in a pool. So, <laughs> well, and having it right there kind of helps too. Yes. Yes. It's a short little distance away. All right. So when did Christy, the competitive swimmer stop and Christy, the teacher start? Um, after I, I missed the Olympic team in 2004, again, very small fraction of time. Um, I ended up being able to go to the world championships, the short course world championships in 2005. And it was really great because I got a chance to end my career on my own terms. Like when you go to Olympic trials and you get third place, you never know at that race, is this my last race ever? Or am I going to make the Olympic team? And so when you don't make the Olympic team and it's your last race ever, it's kind of a bummer. So getting to go to world championships really was a great time for me to end my career. I was team captain. Um, I knew I was ready to walk away from the sport. I had gone to the University of Georgia, which when I was there, it was like the number three college of education in the country. And it still is one of the best. And I I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world um, to get to hang out with kids all day and and teach and and help them learn. And so I started substitute teaching when I moved back home to Pennsylvania at Wilson, which is where I went to high school. It's where I went to elementary school. It's where I ended up finally getting a permanent position. So I stopped swimming in October of 2005. 
And no, 2004, October of 2004. And in August of 2005 is when I started teaching. Okay. And before we get too much into teaching, have you still like maintained and followed like Wilson at all and their sports and all that? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And it's so funny because <laughs> I'll always see on the Wilson swimming, um, like Facebook posts, I'm like, that was my student. That was my student. Now some of my students are in college. I'm doing college, co- like I'm <laughs> answering questions about how to reach out to um, college, potential college coaches from some of my former students. So it's so wild to me um, that, that it's come like full circle. <laughs> that's, that's great, honestly. I mean, every now and then I still kind of see, I mean, I pay attention to football, obviously. I mean, that's like my big thing. Uh, but then the other sports I see come across the timeline from time to time and the new yep. speed and all that. Um, so getting a little more into your teaching career, well, uh, what character traits would you say from swimming carried over into your teaching career? All of them. Oh. <laughs> no, I think one of the biggest, like, um, especially now with COVID, I think some of the, the best character traits that you know, I, I transferred and that I try to, um, like instill in the students is perseverance, grit, resilience. Um, those are really the big three and just, you know, being a good human (laughs) and just learning how to, you know, be willing to, um, be the kind person, be the helpful person, um, be the, the good teammate. I always relate everything back to swimming, especially, you know, it's been so hard for these kiddos these last couple of years. It has been, I can't imagine going to kindergarten the way these, these children have, and you see them and they're just still so happy and they're adaptable and they roll with the punches. And that's really some of the things that in swimming you have to do. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you make a a team, sometimes you don't, Um, but being able to be adaptable and to be resilient and to know that, you know, one bad day, does not make a bad year or does not make a bad life. And just teaching them that just because you can't do something or something didn't happen now doesn't mean it won't ever. We use the power of yet every single day in the classroom. I can't do this yet. (laughs) I don't know my time tables yet. So we're constantly talking about, you know, that growth mindset. All right. That's a, seems like it's worked out well. Uh, So you have the swimming, you have the teaching. Have you looked into swim coaching at all? I have. I actually coached at Wilson for a while uh, before I moved out to California. Um, I was an assistant coach with Tom Houck, who I swam with, and with Roy Snyder, who was my coach, and Helen Stevenson, who was also my coach. That was wild <laughs> coaching with just like when I started teaching at Whitfield um, in Wilson, I was teaching with some of my former teachers. Um, so that was crazy. I also did a bunch of um, private coaching, just one-on-one coaching. And then I traveled the the country for a while. Um, Oh my goodness. Even while I was teaching, I don't know if you knew this, but I would leave on a Friday night after school. I would fly all over the country, do swim clinics, fly back on a Sunday night and just get home super late and wake up Monday and I'd be back teaching. That was while you were teaching like- Yes. One year. Oh yeah, your class too. I I had no idea. One year I pulled up a map and my weekend consisted of me flying from Philly to Virginia, doing a clinic in Virginia, flying to Atlanta, flying to, where was I? Um, Chicago, but driving to Indiana and then coming back and then flying through Detroit and back to Philly, like in two days. And so we did a whole geography lesson based on my flight path. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that one, but I'm sure 
would have been interested in it. Uh, so the last question I have, you're probably sick of answering this one. I'm sure you get it a lot. Uh, if you didn't swim, would you have been involved in another sport or what else would you have been doing? Oh my gosh. Um, I tried a lot of sports growing up actually. And we realized I'm not great on land, which is why <laughs> my mom put me in the pool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know many people who struck out in T-ball, but that was me. I definitely remember striking out in T-ball where the ball was on a tee standing still. Um, I loved sports I, always. I, I loved playing all sports. I not necessarily was not the most, you know, I'm athletic, but not great at, um, I didn't excel at any of the land sports. One sport I really enjoyed was water polo. Um, which Wilson did not have a girls team until after I left. So I actually played in the summertime with the boys, which was pretty intense. <laughs> I think I walked away with a broken nose after one of the games. All right. Uh, well, that about wraps up our very first interview. I want to thank you again, Christy, for joining us. It was nice to catch up again. It's great to see you. All right, and we will leave it there, and you guys can be on the lookout for our next interview.